Vision has just the right mix of music, inspiration and fun to kickstart your day. Rise and shine with Fel and DJ. Weekdays at breakfast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. And so they bring me into the game and the guy hits the ball back to the pitcher. I'm running towards second base. Second baseman gets the ball and just threw it straight through me. And it hit me right in the face from about a metre away. Double play coming up. There's the first one. And he threw it into the runner and hit Ramsden right in the face. He is hurt. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story, where today we have a sporting one for you. At least that's how it begins. John Ramsden had dreams of becoming a professional baseball player, but those dreams were shattered after a tragic incident during a game which ended his career. We'll hear how John's life takes one unexpected twist after another today on The Story. John Ramsden is chatting with Eric Scadabo and Peter Menhennet. Now, Peter, are you a baseball fan? I'm not a fan, but I enjoy watching a game now and then, and I've got some friends who play it regularly. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's not quite as popular here in Australia as in North America where I No, no, not at all. But we've got baseball diamonds mm-hmm. not far yeah, from here. Yeah. And one person who absolutely loved baseball is our guest, John Ramsden. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you going, Eric? Thanks for having me on. Now, before we go any further, this is something, Peter, you don't even know this about me. When I was growing up, I had ambitions, secret ambitions, to be a professional baseball player, just like you, John. I had secret ambitions to be an astronaut, but that didn't work out, so we had to move towards baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I never had that. But now in North America, having ambitions to be a professional baseball player, that's not uncommon. Mm. But here in Australia, that's a bit more uncommon. How did you even get into baseball? I didn't even really know about it. I think as as a little kid, I was a good little cricketer. And a, a guy called Rick Dixon saw me throw a cricket ball in from the boundary line to the stumps and actually told my father, this kid should be playing baseball, not cricket. So I did that and finished up playing uh, in the Heathmont team that had only just started. In fact, with my father and Rick uh, that very year, he was just looking for players at that time. So I got into it by throwing a cricket ball over the stumps at a cricket game as a under-14. And your dad was into baseball? Yeah, dad was uh, part of the, the start of the Heathmont Baseball Club along with Rick because there was no team in uh, in Heathmont and they brought it up to Heathmont and away we went. And I think uh, they went around the, the town of Heathmont just putting hats on kids' head with H's on and said, see you on Saturday morning and that's how it started. <laughs> yeah. Now your life is a series of ups and downs as we mentioned in the introduction. So mm. that would have been an up getting into baseball? Absolutely. Absolutely for me, having known nothing about it but just loving bat and ball sports, that was a really good thing. And just to be picked out by somebody who knew what they were doing because Rick played baseball for Australia and uh, he knew an arm when he saw it. So it was, <laughs> you know, it was a fun thing to get started. And a special experience you had with your father playing mm. baseball. Tell us about that. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, from an early age, my father was um, dying. I didn't really get it until I was about 10 years old, I suppose. He had Hodgkin's disease. But Dad loved baseball, and he would come uh, to every game. He just loved it and uh, and helped Rick with the games and recruited kids and that sort of stuff. Uh, but as an 11-year-old, when Dad was very, very sick at that stage, we played, and this is 1969, that's how young I am. <laughs> in 1969, we were playing at Falkland Park in a grand final, and... Uh, at the very end of the game, the, the last pitch I threw struck the guy out. We won the game, and there's this beautiful photo that the Sun newspaper took, and it's got my father running towards me with his arms outstretched, and uh, that's a, a photo that's indelibly imprinted in my mind now, mm-hmm. too, of my father who just loved me so much and loved that game. Mm. Wow, a special experience. Mm. And you grew up in a Christian family? 
Yeah, uh, look, uh, Dad was a, a Christian and, and Mum uh, came along to church uh, in Heathmont as well. And, uh, you know, as a little kid sitting on those little squares hearing the stories about Jesus and that too. But as a 15-year-old, that's when it really uh, came to me that what I'd been hearing was truth. And I remember distinctly sitting on this uh, railing outside the church and giving my life to Christ, realising that uh, there's nothing I could do with my own sin and that Christ had died on the cross in place uh, where I should have been there myself. And I gave my life to him. And at that point, my life was changed. I, I didn't tell anybody at that stage. So as a young 15-year-old kid, I don't think I was taught very well early. and sort of floundered my way through, but I knew that God at that point was living in me and that I belonged to him. Mm-hmm. That was one of your significant uptimes. Absolutely. It was an uptime. A confusing time in many respects too, because as I said, I didn't have really any mentors at that stage and hadn't told uh, people. And that by that stage, Dad had died uh, too. So I uh, didn't really have anybody to talk about that or didn't bring it up myself, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, growing up without a father, any challenges there? Uh, yep. <laughs> Tell us about it. story here. <laughs> one specific one, yeah, there is. One specific one. I remember as a, I think probably I would have been 17, and I realized that I had to start to shave. And I didn't want to, I was embarrassed to tell, tell mum that, of course, you know, being a kid. So I went into and found one of dad's old shavers that had been sitting there, obviously, for about probably seven years. And I tried to shave myself and it was rusty and it just cut me into ribbons. Oh, and I still oh, no. <laughs> see mum going, oh, okay, so it's time to get you a shaver. And I was, yeah, it is mum. It was a bit embarrassing, but yeah, I, that was just one of those things. But I guess also just um, not having a dad, the other kids had dad to mm-hmm. talk to, that sort of stuff. I think I missed out probably a few gaps along the way. Uh, to just in growing up as a mm-hmm. as a young boy and then into a man. Hmm. And how important was baseball in your life at this point? Uh, so important that my father used to check every uh, Friday night because I used to get into bed with my baseball uniform on oh, and wow. my baseball glove on. And he would come out and check. So I learned that what you do is you wait till dad comes out and checks. And when he's gone, that's when you put your baseball uniform on. It was everything to me. I ate, slept, baseball. It was just really my whole life. Mm. And was to become, as I didn't realize at that early stage, it was really going to become an idol for me too, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So in the ideal world, what would have happened? You would have played Major League Baseball? or I would have loved to have, uh, yeah. Uh, baseball was still quite young uh, in those days because uh, we're talking the 60s, 70s, and in the early 80s as well. It was still very, very young. There were a couple of people that had made it in the States, but certainly if I'd uh, had an opportunity, I would have loved to have gone across and played professional baseball here. Mm. But life has these twists and turns in it. So what became of you, the budding baseball player, after you were knocked out tragically in that game? Yeah, we had, uh, we're had. we going back to 1981 now, the Claxton Shield Series uh, in Norwood Oval in, uh, in South Australia. And uh, I'd pitched the day before against Queensland. We won that game, and so I was sitting on the bench, but called into the game in the last innings to run. Uh, but from... now, now let's just back up to set the stage here. Yeah. <laughs> By this point, you're one of the elite players in the whole country. Uh, you're right? playing for, playing baseball for Australia at that time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's correct. Uh, and so this particular game, uh, we needed to score a run to win that game to go into the final against Western Australia. And uh, this is a TV game, and my to be wife was at home watching on the TV, and all my to be nieces and nephews. All proud of you. Hey there. Oh yeah, we, we know there that is, guy. There he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. is. And so they bring me into the game and. Uh, the incident, uh, the guy hits the ball back to the pitcher. I'm running towards second base. The second baseman gets the ball and just threw it straight through me. And uh, when it hit me, it was like an explosion. Right uh, in your face. Yeah, it hit me right in the face from about a metre away. Double play coming up. There's the first one. 
and he threw it into the runner and hit Ramsden right in the face. He is hurt. And I remember it's sort of like those old cowboy movies where they get shot and they slow, in slow motion they fall to the ground and the dust rises up. Well, I, I remember that uh, very, very much so and, and lying still and knowing that I was done and thinking of two things uh, while I was laying there. I could hear all the confusion going on. I think there was a fight breaking up because a guy had thrown it at me on purpose and it became a big incident in the mm. whole series. On purpose? On purpose, yeah. It was in the. It was on the front page of the local Adelaide paper, which makes me think nothing much happened in the news that day. <laughs> but he's trying to win the game. How has that helped? Yeah, side? well, he, he just. I think out of anger because I was running on the line, he couldn't throw it back to mm. first base to get the double play. But I remember, as I was lying on the ground, two things came to mind. The first thing was the pain that uh, my father had gone through. It's funny how you think of these things as you're lying still with all the confusion around you. But mm. I remember the pain that Dad had gone through uh, in the cancer situation uh, for a long period of time. But secondly, having given my life to Christ back in, uh, as a 15-year-old, but really losing the plot as a 17, 18- and 19-year-old, really, um, you know, baseball becoming everything to me and, and losing, uh, not losing my faith, but really pushing it into the background. And I thought of Jesus very much so on the cross. And as I lay there with all this confusion, I could uh, just, I was just remembering the pain that Christ went through on the cross for me. And my life, as a result of that baseball smashing into my face and finishing up in the hospital, I, I gave my life back to Christ while in that hospital. And that was, you know, if I could take my life over again and either play professional baseball or have that ball hit me in the face, I would surprisingly choose that ball hitting me in the face because of the turn my life took. So, oh, wow. Mm. Mm. Nothing better than turning to Christ. Mm. Yeah, well, at, you know, it's a, that whole realization that there is nowhere else to run anyway. So, mm. Now, did that end your career? Yeah, pretty much. I, I tried to come back um, because of the blowout fracture in my eye and the size of my pupil. Light became a major issue. Plus, the first game that I played, uh, the catcher threw the ball back to me, it bounced and broke my nose. And so I just thought, mm, I'm done. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, plus I had double vision as well. And every time I was pitching a ball and they were hitting the ball, I was seeing two of them. I thought, I'm going to get killed here. So I, oh, I actually had goodness. to stop. Yeah, so, mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the end of the dream. That was it. Yeah, that was the end of what, um, to my mind, uh, at that point, until that point of uh, giving my life back to Christ in the hospital, that was really the end of the thing that I wanted to do most in my whole life uh, to that point, yeah. But God knew you were pretty dedicated at whatever you were doing. So what did he bring up next for you? I think rather than dedicated, I think he was... Merciful. <laughs> um, I just, yeah. Look, uh, he. It's it's just amazing, you know. You know, looking back with my retrospectoscope as to the things that God has done over time, uh, this was certainly one of them. Uh, not that God threw the baseball, <laughs> uh, but He allowed that to happen to really change my life. You're listening to The Story. Today, we're hearing John Ramsden share his life journey full of unexpected twists and turns and ups and downs. Next, we'll hear how he becomes involved in a Christian musical group called Joint Airs. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with John Ramsden sharing his life journey. 
He's chatting with Eric Scatterbo and Peter Menhennet about the many twists and turns in his life, including becoming involved in an unusual Christian musical group called Joint Airs. So, John, what happened after you finished with baseball? Well, I discovered that not only is there life after death, but there's also life after baseball as well. And it's interesting because I'd given my life back to Christ, as I mentioned, in the hospital there too, and that was the best thing that could have happened to me at that that point. Uh, but God actually led me into quite a strange sort of thing. I, I knew, knew a little bit of music. I couldn't read music, but I had a bunch of friends who also couldn't read music, but that didn't stop us. And we started playing some music at the front of a church and making little tapes and sending them out to friends of ours who were teaching you know, up the country or somewhere. And from there, we, we formed a band and uh, the band started to turn into a band that was a little bit different than others in that we did some really quite unusual things. We took Bible stories, um, we made comedy sketches out of them, we used film back in the days where you actually used film, not video. Hmm. Uh, so uh, we had trampolines. So these are, what, early 80s, mid-70s? This, uh, this is um, late 70s, early 80s, and then mm-hmm. into the 90s. Uh, we finished in 94. Uh, but God did a really wonderful, wonderful thing. He gathered uh, five very average, talented musicians, put them together, and just gave us some really unusual ideas, and it was a lot of fun. What was the name of the band? Because that might trigger memories for oh, some God, of our right, listeners. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for those of you who are over like 70, 80 years old, the band was <laughs> called uh, Joint Airs, and we played a lot around uh, Melbourne. Uh, we were playing every weekend, sometimes Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Uh, but just... Um, Sharing the gospel with people, but also telling stories in a way that people who had never even heard the gospel or had even read the Bible before felt comfortable coming to our concerts. In fact, one guy said to me, we love coming to your concerts. We don't know where to look because we did some rather odd things. Mm. Well, tell us about that unusual song about somebody surfing on the Sea of Galilee. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so exactly, that's a great example, actually. Uh, we, we wrote a song called uh, Just Got Saved, which sounds very, very spiritual, and it is, except that it's actually written from the point of view of a guy who was out in the middle of Lake Galilee surfing the day that Jesus calmed the storm. And so we, we start, the song actually starts, the time was 32 AD, I was out surfing Lake Galilee, all the local boys were there, wetsuits made out of camel's hair, shooting the curl and hanging five out there trying to stay alive. Then it goes in, ha, 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 staying alive, staying And so it goes on and tells the whole story of the guy, the calming of the water and the guy being saved from death and then going onto the shore, hearing Jesus' message and being saved again. So we did things that way. That is a unique perspective. Peter, I don't think I've ever heard uh, that story told in that way. No, I I remember (laughs) hearing... Uh, really? Joined ears play. Oh, right? certainly, my word. But I'm not in my eighties, <laughs> John. <laughs> but uh, they were a great band. Okay, what came next in John Ramsden's story? Yeah, no, it's um, it's actually tying the baseball thing back together. Actually, with um, what happened in life after baseball, we a band at Belmont Height and Baptist. And we were playing there at one of their church services on a Sunday night. And the band, one of us would always give our testimony. And it was my turn uh, to do that. And I started to tell the story uh, of the baseball incident uh, back in Norwood Oval in Adelaide. And suddenly I noticed the attention of the people waning a little bit. And they were looking at each other and smiling and giggling a bit. And I thought, what's going on here? And then the pastor stood up and said, we know who this is, don't we? I went, what? Because I haven't been to Belmont Height and Baptist before, even hardly go to Geelong. And what apparently what had happened was one of their congregation members, when they'd seen the incident on the TV and the commentator had said this uh, Christian young sports person, 
he rang somebody and they gathered together in the church and actually prayed for me uh, that afternoon, uh, which is just an amazing thing to think that uh, God had gathered his people to pray for me and now I was back in their church ministering to them too. It's just such a blessing. And a similar thing uh, to a, a friend of mine who was lying on a beach in Queensland the day after this happened, a single sheet of newspaper flew across him and he grabbed it to throw it away and he saw my picture on the front of the uh, the paper there because of the incident. Now, as I said, there must have been nothing happening in the news <laughs> at that time. But he saw the picture, read the story, and was able to pray for me uh, while he was on the beach too. So God was really in this whole thing. Now, getting hit in the face with a baseball, I think most people would universally agree that that's a terrible thing. Mm. But yet, look at how it impacted your life, getting you back in a strong relationship with the Lord, strengthening your faith. And then also, unbeknownst to you, years later, you're finding out how it impacted others. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and that's they're not the only stories. There are others too of um, uh, people finding out in, in unusual ways, being able to pray for me, but also then seeing the change, I guess, in my life and God dealing with me uh, as he needed to do, most definitely. Uh, so, yeah, and if that can encourage people, that, that's a good thing. And getting back to the music, any other interesting adventures that you had with the group? I guess one of the most exciting things uh, that happened, uh, we had – I had – was praying one night and I just really believed that God wanted us to do uh, a concert for our friends and I even had the Carolica Theatre in mind and even the first um, Saturday in the month of December and so I drove past, past, past this place time and time again and, and not going in and wondering if I should do that because we'd never done a big concert. And then probably a few months down the track, I went in uh, during a lunchtime and when I went in, I spoke to the lady about getting a booking uh, in December and she just laughed and said, you can't get a booking here for four years uh, in December because they're all booked out, particularly on a Saturday night. And I went, oh, okay, maybe I got this wrong. That's okay. A lady comes out of the office literally while I'm there and says, oh, we've just had a, a cancellation. And Lay says, oh, what for? And she goes, oh, for the 4th of December. And I said, is that a Saturday night? She goes, uh, yes, it is. I said, can I have that? And she goes, I guess you can. <laughs> and so I went back and told the band, and we were just that excited about that. And that was just a wonderful night of gathering all our friends together, ministering to them, and even seeing people we hadn't seen for years and years. It was just one of those wonderful things that God mm -hmm. did. Just his timing, just so perfect. Well, we've been tracing the ups and downs in your life, so that's obviously an up and mm. the wonderful concert you had for your friends then. But I understand that years later there were some more downs, in particular regarding your employment. Yeah, I, look, I, I, um, I was a school teacher for 15 years and then finished up in another company working for, of all things, <laughs> uh, with 10,000 women, believe it or not, in a cosmetic company as a manager of sales development. Still trying to work that one out, how that happened. Um, but, <laughs> and, you, and you don't use cosmetics. Well, no, no, I mean, no, no, you, you no. You had trouble shaving your face. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, very, very true. <laughs> that steered him away from skin preparation. It did indeed, <laughs> But 15 years into that job, which was a great job and I loved it, wonderful, wonderful job, uh, travelled overseas a number of times, just good company. Um, but what happened was, most unlikely for me to lose my job, uh, but during the GFC, uh, things happened and my boss, who was a really good friend of mine, called me in late on a Friday and he was there with the HR lady and she was in tears and he was in tears too and I thought, oh gee, something bad's happened here. And he started to talk about the GFC and things that had gone wrong and I thought, oh, he's going to tell me that he's, he's leaving. And then he kept talking then I went, 
nope, I think he's going to tell me that I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> but and he's in tears for you. Yeah. yeah. So what a nice well, guy. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and apparently they just, you know, in the US, they'd gone around and said, you know, that one in Australia, that one in Malaysia, and so on. And so it was interesting because they, they, they're not Christians, uh, but very good friends. And I was able to say to them, after I caught my breath after about five seconds, I thought, I said, you know what? That's actually okay. I said, God's doing something here. I don't know what it is, and I don't expect you guys to understand that, but it's okay. And that's when they really broke down crying sort of thing too because oh, wow. I don't think they were expecting that sort of mm. um, answer. I remember going home and talking to my wife and just saying, and just giving her a cuddle and just saying, hey, guess what? I don't have a job anymore. And she went, what? I said, but it's okay. I think God's doing something here. I don't understand what it is yet, but it's going to be okay. Let's just trust him. Well, how, how come you had this peace in this well, it's situation. not from me. I can assure you it's not from me. Just definitely the Holy Spirit, I think, comforted me at that time and just reassuring me that I belong to Christ, uh, that he always has my best interest in heart, and so it would be okay one way or the other. Even if things did go bad, we still mm-hmm. know that he's still there. So, mm. And how long had you been married for? On this momentous day, uh, and did you have kids? Yeah, then? yeah, yeah. No, I had kids at the same. I had all three uh, kids who are now grown up and married with kids themselves. Uh, so, um, yeah, it was just one of those interesting moments in life. But uh, God was really moving with that because probably three months before that, I'd been asked by a church to be a pastor there, and I actually laughed because the guy invited me to his house and said, "Look, we've invited you here because we want you to pastor our church." And I laughed and said, "I haven't been trained. I don't know anything about being a pastor." And they said, "Oh no, it'll be okay because you'll be doing this, 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 and the other." He said, "Can you go home and pray about it?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, I can." So I went home, and this was my prayer. It literally went, "Dear Lord, I know you don't want me to do this. Okay, <laughs> Amen." That was it. <laughs> and so, uh, being made redundant from this other job. My church, uh, not long after that, asked me if I would be an associate pastor. Now, if I'd been asked three or four months before, I would have laughed and said no. But we'd had time to think through it with my wife, and Florina often would say, I wonder what would have happened if you'd taken that up? And I said, I really don't know. So when I was asked, I said, I need to think and pray through that. And I didn't get any major revelation, but we decided in the end just to step into that and just see. And I, I said to God, if you want to block this, you block this. I'm, I'm happy to do that. I don't want to be where you don't want me. But he was so gracious and so gentle, and I'm just loving being a pastor and just love our people. And now the listeners know the rest of the story. <laughs> mm. Our guest today is Pastor John Ramsden. Mm. And kind of looking back over the ups and downs of your life, as we've been discussing them here today, what are some of the lessons our listeners can learn from your experiences? I think um, quite often when things uh, happen, you don't realize what's going on till later on. It's like you get your retrospectoscope out and you can see what's happening. I mean, Retrospectoscope. Yes, yeah, just a new implement I'm working on making. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah. you hear that, Peter? Uh, well, I've, I'm first in line to buy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want one too. Yeah, but it is interesting looking back because uh, quite often when you're in something, when you're getting hit in the face by a baseball or if you're being made redundant or even at one stage of my life sick for a, a very, very long period of time, you can't see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God sees very, very clearly what he's doing, and he's sanctifying us bit by bit by bit to make us more like Jesus. And and looking back, I can see all those things happening, even simple things like you know, doing year 11. I, I enjoyed year 11 so much, I thought, well, why don't I do it again? <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> what the teachers, teachers Yeah, they suggested that. that. <laughs> yeah, they did. But if I'd not done that, 
I would never have uh, gone to a guy who was a friend of mine in that year and met my wife, who was talking to him as well, which has just been a marvelous, marvelous thing. She's been my rock through this whole uh, situation. So, and then mm. you became a school teacher, eventually. Yeah. People still laugh at that. So you did year eleven twice. So what are you now? I'm a school teacher. <laughs> really? <laughs> in which school? So I can put a note yeah. down as to which one not to send my kids to. <laughs> uh, God's got a great sense of humour when he does things like that. Yeah, I just really encourage people that, particularly those that might be hurting at the moment, there's something unexplained going on in their life. It's easy to say it's harder to do, but just really trust God in the situation. He does love you. He does care for you. He sees everything you do. He sees your hurts as well, too. And he certainly did that uh, with me and, and has always proved himself. So I'm really grateful to him. Yeah. Well, Pastor John Ramson, thank you so much for sharing with us the ups and downs of your life. Yeah, thanks, man. Once again, our guest today has been Pastor John Ramson, one of the pastors at Canterbury Gardens Community Church. That was Eric Scadabo and Peter Menhennet chatting with John Ramsden about the many unexpected twists and turns in his life. But as John shared, if he could look back in his retrospectoscope, he can see how the Lord had a hand in it all and led him to his current position as a pastor. What an amazing journey he's been on. Well, thanks for joining us for this inspiring story today. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was heading home. I walked out of the school gates and was about to uh, head up to the pedestrian crossing. And I only took one step out the road and I was um, knocked to the ground. And I looked down at my foot and my foot was a mess. And I then realised I'd been hit by this truck and uh, it had run over my foot. It was fully loaded with sand. At the age of 12, Steve Wilson had the lower half of one of his legs amputated. And, of course, this would be a major setback for anyone. But Steve has gone on to have some amazing achievements, including becoming a Paralympic gold medalist. We'll share his life journey next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.